He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis, Cats at Night. Five o'clock on number one show in New York. And, and we have a great show for you today. And in the studio, we have, uh, well, we have a lot of people. We have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, our, our uh uh, in-house Democrat, is that what it is? That's right. Common sense and sense. Common sense and uh, common sense Republicans. Uh, Ed Cox, of course, uh, always uh, first son of President Nixon, a first son-in-law, whatever. No, no, no. second, second, second David son-in-law. Harry, All first. Right. Okay, second uh, son-in-law. Craig Eaton, uh, ten years GOP of um, of uh, Brooklyn, and we have a, a new uh, person in. We have uh, Nelson Happy. And uh, he's counsel to Red Apple Group and former president of Mooney Aircraft. And he has a few aviation things to talk about today, including the UFO hearing. And Lydia, what else we have on the show? Well, we have a great show. In addition to all these fine gentlemen here in the studio, we'll be speaking with Charlie Gasparino, as well as Republican campaign consultant Ed Rollins, Dr. Mark Siegel. But first on the line, we have Professor Dershowitz. But before we get to Professor Dershowitz... Breaking news, WABC. It looks like the Department of Defense is finally taking UFO sightings seriously. Here with us is our aviation expert, Nelson Happy. So what is the latest? It's very exciting for people interested in aviation and UFOs. For 50 years, Congress and the U.S. government has denied the existence of UFOs. But now it's being recognized by Congress in a special committee that's actually looking into 18 examples, not called UFOs anymore. Now they're called unidentified aerial phenomena. And there are 18 of these phenomena that have occurred over the last 20 years that congressional investigators and the military feel are significant enough that they justify a congressional hearing and further investigation. So for those of us that have been pilots and have been involved in aviation for many years, we know that these objects exist, but the government has denied them. And for the first time now, there's going to be something happening in the public that's going to actually flush this out. Wow. 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 uh, Nelson, uh, later on, you have a report on, uh, I understand you have a report on the aircraft that went down uh, in uh, in China. Oh, tell us about it right now. Okay. Uh, Well, it's 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 a big story in that. Every single person was killed on this airline crash. It's called China Eastern Airlines Flight 5735. And it has been a mystery to investigators as to what caused That's the this. one, what is it, about a month ago, two months ago? Yeah, about and it, it, went it happened from in March. 37,000 feet, and it swung straight down and straight down to a. John, it's the, that's, you're hitting on the most mysterious part of it. The airplane was fly- flying normally. It was a 737-800. wasn't a MAX. didn't have the problems that that aircraft did. It had a very good maintenance history, five-year-old airplane in top shape. It was being flown by a pilot that had been a captain of this particular type of aircraft for four years. His co-pilot had 30,000 air hours, was the most experienced pilot in China, and had instructed and trained 100 captains for airlines across the country. He was the number two guy. The airplane took off, flew for about an hour. It was at 
30,000 feet. Suddenly it dived down uh, as fa- at 545 knots, which is really fast, to an altitude of 7,000 feet, leveled out, climbed up 1,400 feet, and then proceeded to go straight down and crash. It sounds like uh, either if the pilot did it, uh, that they're saying that the pilot committed suicide and took somebody in with them. Maybe the co-pilot or vice versa jumped the pilot and tried to stop it, and that's why it went up for a little bit of a while. That's what I'm looking at. And people say, well, why did he do it? Well, either the guy wanted to commit suicide, number one, or number two, uh, there's a scenario that says somebody very important on the airplane, that, and they paid him, uh, they paid the pilot or co-pilot and say, here's a million dollars for your family if you take that airplane down. John, I think there's a third possibility. Give me a third possibility. Uh, this might be really remote, but the captain was a young guy with four years of experience. The co-pilot had 30,000 hours, had been flying for 30 years. Maybe he was just jealous. No, but he trained 100 pilots, so he's just 101st. It could be, though, that he wanted to make the young guy look bad. It's, it's well, possible. He certainly did that. He wasn't the pilot in command. Professor right. Dershowitz. Professor Dershowitz is on the line. Let's go to prof- We go from an aviation expert to a constitutional expert. Professor Dershowitz, just a couple of decades at Harvard Law School and a Brooklyn boy at heart. And he's always with us here on Cats and Night on Tuesdays. How are you, sir? And I know you got a lot to say about President Biden. He went up to Buffalo talking about white supremacy. Professor Dershowitz, what do you think? Well, first of all, it's so obvious what happened to the China plane. A UFO hit it. We needed the last. Thank you. Right. And the Democrats will blame a Republican UFO. So (laughs) that's the way things happen in America today. And that's what I think of President Biden's speech. I think it was a great speech. It was a perfect speech. It was tone perfect. He spoke to the victims. He spoke to the victims' families. But now the time has come for him to make another speech, for him to come to Brooklyn or to go to Los Angeles, talk to the black community leaders and say, why are so many black African-Americans attacking Chinese people, Asian people, and Jews. That has to stop, too. And their own. We can't and their own and other black hatred. people, because we know that but, 90% of black people are killed by other black people. Yeah, but what I'm talking about now is racial hatred. You know, white supremacy, which is horrible, and the president did a good job in attacking it. But now he has to attack particularly black on Asian and black on Jewish crime. You know, today in Brooklyn... If you're a chassid with a beard and you walk in Williamsburg or Borough Park, but particularly in Williamsburg, you know, or Crown Heights, you take your life in your hand. Uh, people come up to you and they beat you up. In fact, Arthur Idella and I wanted to start a new organization called Hit a Jew, We Sue You uh, <laughs> to make sure that if that ever happens, the perpetrators know they're going to get sued by really good lawyers and, and bankrupted. Uh, so there's there is more violence from the white supremacy hard right than there is from the left. But there's plenty from the left and there's plenty from the black community, uh, people, individuals, not the community, of course, individuals, individual bad people who are attacking particularly Asians and particularly Jews. Why they pick on Asians and Jews, I have no idea. But Alan's, the reality is that there are too many such cases. Alan, it's Richard Weinberg. I want to ask you about this resolution that was just put into the Congress condemning the creation of Israel as a catastrophe put in by the squad. What do you say about that? 
Well, that's race hatred. That is anti-Semitism. And the left and Schumer and Biden have to speak to that issue. That is pure, blatant anti-Semitism. It's also a blood libel. It's based on a lie. As you know, in 1947, the U.N. offered the Palestinians a state on about 70 percent of the arable land of what was then the British mandate. And the Israelis would get around 30 percent and there'd be an internationalized Jerusalem and Bethlehem. And the Israelis said, yes, we'll do it. We'll take a sliver of land on the uh, Mediterranean and, and, and part access to Jerusalem. And the Palestinians, under the influence still, even though he was now a war criminal, of the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, who had spent the war years with Hitler plotting the death of the Jews, the Grand Mufti said, no, you can't accept even a Jewish state the size of a postage stamp. That's the origin. That's how it began. That's why Palestinians were, were some left and were forced out, because the Palestinians wouldn't accept the United Nations declaration separating it into two states. That's where the fault lies. And for Congress to say the opposite and to make up a lie based on the squad would be a blood libel. And, and, and uh, we have to fight it with every bit of energy. Professor, this is Craig Eaton. Just to answer your question about the significant increase in attacks on Asians, I think that uh, that came after COVID. Uh, I think after COVID, there were significant a- attacks on Asians. And and that's what led to it because they they were blaming, blaming them, Chinese, blaming them for br- bringing COVID uh, to the United States. And the States, only thing right? you know, I don't think that I don't think the Chinese. Uh, I think what the Chinese are guilty about is that they didn't tell us. In other words, they stopped flights between Wuhan and yeah. other Chinese cities, but they kept the flights going from Wuhan to Italy and from Wuhan yeah. to New York and other cities in the United States. That they're guilty of for sure. Yes. Did they create the virus? I don't know. Well, the Chinese Communist you Party is guilty, guilty of that, let's not assume, the Chinese people. All that's true. The Chinese people of New York and Los Angeles aren't. That's like when I was a kid, uh, there was a church across the street from my uh, high school. And, and, and some of the kids, the stupid kids would yell, you killed Jesus, you killed Jesus. And I remember my answer is, I was at the movies. I have an alibi. I um, you know, don't blame me. Uh, I can prove I wasn't there at the time. Uh, the idea of collective guilt that you you attack a Chinese young man or woman in America who's been in America for 100 years with their family because some Chinese official in China or even some Russian official in Russia attacked the Ukraine. We're now seeing, you know, Tchaikovsky concerts canceled. Uh, Anna Netrebko canceled at the Metropolitan Opera. If you're Russian or if you have anything to do with Russian, the Russian Tea Room was boycotted, even though it's owned by Americans. And when it was Albania. owned by Russia, Yeah, it's an Albanian it guy. By, yeah. Yeah, but I think it's fair to say yeah. there's just so much anger and hatred out there. There's so much anger, anger and, and hatred anger. out there. The people are just the, the people that want to attack people are just looking for, for easy but they're, targets. They're easy targets. Yeah. Uh, Alan Ed yeah. Cox here. Yeah. You know, the they, president has to talk about that. And when I was He's growing up here, I remember when the agitators, just to stir things up, uh, there were a number of prosperous Korean stores in Harlem, and they stirred up uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the the. He was on the MSNBC last night. People there, yeah. Um, well, what about Al the Koreans? Yeah. What about that the was Korean? Al Sharpton? What I was about Al the Sharpton. Korean boycott? I'm old enough to remember Reverend that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I want to get. He was on agitating. I want to get Professor yeah. Dershowitz's opinion. There's a new law 
Is it signed into law in Florida right. that you cannot picket private homes? Protest in front of them, right. Mm-hmm. Well, protest okay, in so front of private homes. I so think. I need your thoughts of what that really means. And hold on. Across the way from me, it's poor me and Lydia on one side. And a bunch of we, And we got four lawyers on the other side. <laughs> yeah, but you have an honorary doctorate. You have an honorary law degree. I mean, you're like an astronaut. You're a pilot. I can't, I can't fly my jet anymore. I don't have 2020. This, this lawyer Stop. will take the Dershowitz opinion over okay, I'll my, take the Dershowitz opinion. I might have. Tell us about Florida. So I, wrote, I wrote an article. I wrote an article about it in Gatestone. You can access it on, on uh, um, Google. Well, can, we get, can we get the interpretation this. without paying the $2 sure, fee? Right. <laughs> That's absolutely $2. right. <laughs> so um, the Supreme Court has held that you can restrict speech to time, place, and manner. So that 11 o'clock at night, you can't go around with a loudspeaker in a neighborhood and, and exercise your free speech, say you want to vote for a particular candidate, even though the speech itself is protected the time, place, and manner are not. And so case came to the Supreme Court involving some horrible people who tried to interfere with the funeral of a brave American soldier who was killed in combat. And the Supreme Court said no. Uh, the Supreme Court said that you can't prevent that as long as they're away and across the street. So I think a Florida law, unless it's limited, you can say you can't pick it in front of a juror's house uh, maybe an elected judge's house, a witness's house. But a Supreme Court justice is different. They have lifetime tenure, um, and they're supposed to be immune from that kind of pressure. Now, it doesn't mean you can come up to his door or shout, but if you have a dignified protest across the street from the house or in the street in front of his house, say 20 or 30 feet away, I think the Supreme Court would say that that would be uh, protected speech under the Constitution, and that the Florida law would be unconstitutional if it were interpreted to apply to those kinds of protests. Now, the one rule that has to be clear is that whatever the rules and restrictions are have to be neutral. They have to be the same rules for pro-abortion and anti-abortion, the same rules uh, for black, for white protesters. They can't be different rules for different groups. But That, that, that part we agree uh, with 100%. Yeah. But, but Alan, yeah. Alan, Alan, what about Title uh, 18 U.S. Code uh, 1507, which uh, bans the picketing to influence the government act by intimidation? With the intent. intent. Right. The statute says with the intent to influence the the, – and so it's been interpreted by some courts to say that applies to jurors. It applies to witnesses because they could be influenced uh, by it. But it doesn't apply to lifetime appointed uh, judges as long as there's a reasonable distance and it's done during the day and it doesn't interfere with traffic. The, 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 the statute would be and it is probably unconstitutional if you apply it to Supreme Court justices. That's my view. That's what the case, the Supreme Court case about the funeral seems to suggest. But, of course, this Supreme Court doesn't give much weight to precedent. So you never know uh, which way it would come down if it came to the Supreme Court now. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Professor Dershowitz. We have to go to a hard break there. Always a pleasure. We love having you. We can't wait to have you back in studio again soon. I also forgot to tell you. I'd love to do it. Thank you. The other thing with Mr. Happy, you were dean of which law school? Regent University. Regent University School of Law. Wow. And you were the dean and... uh, a full professor with tenure, which is a great job, by the way. Wow. 
But okay. it pays nothing. Let's go to that break, and when we come back, we're going to come back with Charlie Gasparino, and let's see what he feels like about Twitter. Handling legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Bruno. He's your numero uno. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Well, we're back. This is Cats at Night. And this is a, a, a tricast on broadcasting on the studios of WABC Radio 770 and also 970 AM The Answer and WLIR. And with us today is uh, Charlie Gasparino and and Charlie, is that Twitter deal ever going to happen, or or everybody's full of crap? <laughs> well, yeah, I think we could be both. By the way, <laughs> you could be full of crap and still. Happen. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've learned uh, about Twitter because I've been covering this a long time is just you know how lousy the business of Twitter is. I mean, we're all on it; we all talk about it. I mean, I I have it up on my screen right now. Um, you know, so we ubiquitous in the news business to use, but it doesn't make any money, and it doesn't generate enough cash flow, and it's it's a bad business. It's, it's, it's the worst-run business. Look, it's not run any well. business is only as good as its CEO, and it has a crappy CEO that doesn't give a damn and doesn't care how to run the company. Yeah, and it, it probably needs to be, not probably, it needs to be fixed outside of being a public company. Now, if that's going to happen, you have to. You, it has to be sold to somebody, right? Who could buy this thing? Well, private equity probably won't buy it because it, it doesn't generate enough, enough cash flow. I mean, the whole concept of private equity is to take something private, squeeze it down, and use the cash flow to pay off debt, and then sell it as a public company someday. It doesn't generate enough cash flow in its current form, so private equity has a hard time with it. Uh, no big tech company re- really can buy it because of antitrust issues, so you take them out. Then, it, then it, it's down to a bunch of billionaires who might want to just take a shot at it to make it work and, and fix it. And there's not a lot of guys that could do that or want to do it except for Musk. So if you think about him now running around saying, uh, you know, the market has changed, I want to pay less for it, which is essentially what he's saying – they may have to sell uh, made. I, they, they're going to have to sell it to him for less money. Do you um, think Charlie at Cox? Do you think he did his due diligence beforehand, or they no, just I put think his bid? He's just shot from yeah. the hip. I, no, I, I think I that's think, right. Uh, you know, he's a shoot from the hip guy, and he probably he didn't do well. Did he do his due diligence? Did he know that the markets were going to crash the way they did? And I, you know, probably. Not. I mean, we kind of did because we were talking about Fed rate increase. <laughs> going back a long time, you you know, on this show, we've been talking about, you know, the markets are going to get pretty choppy here. Um, I'm not quite sure what he was thinking. Um, but remember, he's he's kind of a flighty guy in a lot of respects. He's brilliant and he's he's uh, he could be thoughtful at times, but a lot of times he can't be thoughtful. And, you know, he, he's flighty and it's he's you know, he's he's temperamental. And, uh, you know, it's it, that all came out in this thing. Now he's turning around and saying, I don't want to pay for it. 
you know, he still could come out ahead on this thing and not have to pay what he bid, which was fifty four eighty. He might have. He can probably buy this thing for forty for forty bucks a Sorry, share. it depends what he had in his agreement. I hope he paid attention to his lawyers, had a due diligence provision, and also a well, market out provision. He, he probably didn't. And here's, but but are they going to? Are they gonna spend three years litigating with him while the business falls apart? Right. And I mean, when, when as the stock goes down to twenty, which it's probably going to do, uh, because it's not worth even thirty eight. If you take him out of it, so they have to. Sp- Three years trying to squeeze some more money out of him, get him to pay his billion-dollar breakup fee. He's going to say they lost him, which we know is not really true, but whatever. It has to go through court. It's it's damaging to the brand, the whole thing. Charlie, I I think he doesn't care if he buys it or not. If he can get it to the right on his conditions, he'll buy it. Yes, I think you're right. He reminds me a little bit about myself because that's the way I would feel. I, and I, I mean, you know how much due diligence yeah, I did on WABC? Now you would have done a ton of due diligence. <laughs> you, 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 you know, know how much due diligence I did on WABC? Zero. I just wrote the check. Yeah, but John, you didn't yeah. pay like fifty. What's the number? Forty-three billion dollars for WABC. Uh, I, I paid mean, a lot less. John knew when he had a good deal. There's ways of there's ways of. I mean, you're buying if you buy. Sometimes, obviously, you don't care how much you spend if it's not that much money. But when you talk about forty billion and leveraging your Tesla stock, I mean, it it gets to be a point where it does matter. Charlie, I I want to get your opinion on what Elon Musk had to say about Biden. He compared him to Ron Burgundy of Anchorman. Take a listen, everybody. The, the real president is whoever controls the teleprompter. You know, like, it's like the, the, the path to power is the path to the teleprompter. You know, like what? Because what, that then he just reads the teleprompter. So you know, I, I do feel like, like if, if somebody would accidentally lean on the lean on the teleprompter, it's going to be like Anchorman. It's going to be like <laughs> UQQ ASDF one two three, you know, type of thing. That's funny. <laughs> and true. Well, it's funny. You know, I wrote about his inflation speech. Obviously, I thought it was a horrible speech on so many levels. But it's funny when you read the speech. It says Senator Rick Scott of Wisconsin. He's obviously the senator from Florida, but it's crossed. Wisconsin is crossed out in the in the speech as it as it's on the White House uh, website. So he obviously just reads what they put in front of him or what he puts in front of himself. Um, Charlie Edcox, do you remember when President Clinton on the State of the Union speech, it didn't show up on his teleprompter for six minutes and he had lived it for six minutes and then went right into the speech? Yeah, Compare I mean, yeah that. We're, we're talking about, but, you know, Joe Biden in the old Joe Biden probably could. Although, who knows, when he he's had a history of ad-libbing crazy stuff, as as we all know. Um, I, I think I, I don't listen, I, I don't criticize him for being um, halting and, you know, being being sweet, which I think he gets a lot of criticisms for and maybe not all there. But if you read, listen to what he said and read, read verbate, what he said was some really crazy economic stuff that, you know, just just lies. And, you know, it was incredibly divisive. Uh, he was talking about MAGA people and super MAGA Republicans. Uh, like, you know, anybody that votes for Trump is some weird animal, you know, that came out of nowhere. I mean, he really is a, dis- a, a, a divisive, mean guy right now. And, um, you know, he can't. It, it, he, I mean, listen, Trump had his issues. Uh you know, we, but, you know, Joe Biden 
got elected not to be this, and he is this. It's, it's scary. But, Charlie, this is Craig Eaton. Who actually con- controls the teleprompter? That's what I asked Is John it Joe there. Biden? Or well, no, who is it? That's, the, that's what we need a, to find out. There is a guy that controls, or a girl, <laughs> I don't know, or a gal, woman or a man that controls the teleprompter. If only There's we no can dial in. If only no, we I, can I, dial in. I know, someone, I know someone that did control the teleprompter for George Bush. So, uh, so I mean, it is, it is a person. I, you know, listen, everybody thinks he's being controlled by someone, and that's the subtext here, right? My my feeling, he's not being controlled by anybody. He, This is Joe Biden overruling his staff because his staff has to know some of the things he says about oil exploration and giving it way into the left on all these issues is, is, is detrimental the party and they're going to get their clocks clean in in November and on top of that his approval ratings are like 25% less Charlie Gasparino thank you for coming on and uh, God bless you I understand you have a heart out and thank you you, and we'll catch up again real soon you got it guys thank you Ed Cox give us a report what the heck happened is happening with redistricting and uh, which which ones are made in stone and which ones uh, may change i understand uh, uh, gabarino is complaining in long island and uh, there's oh, other there's lots of give, uh, lots give us, of complaining give us a 5 minute rundown lots of complaining going on well the uh, the highest court in the state of new york the court of appeals ordered a special master to come out with uh with the with this districts that were fair that were compact that were competitive and uh he actually did that uh and particularly uh, districts that did not favor any particular candidate or partic- or an incumbent and uh, lots of cries of distrust. So are there going to be changes from what we, what the draft is now? And uh, no. what do you hear? Very little, very little changes. Uh, there will be arguments made on, in paper to the judge tomorrow, complaints. But uh, the final maps will be finalized on Friday. Not much time for changes. Judge, your wife runs the other side. <laughs> no, my, my wife represents the uh, – the assembly with respect to the congressional lines and, and the assembly lines, I told her from the very beginning that I, I disagreed with uh, her party's position. Were you allowed to sleep in the same bed? No, no. I've, I've been in the doghouse for, for months now. I went to <laughs> clear. Oh, my God. Well, there there's some kind of competitive districts here, obviously, uh, Maloney and uh, Nadler. And, and de Blasio, that's and, the and new report. de Blasio is going to get in? No, I understand de Blasio was going to go in the, uh, the other district that became open with nobody in it. No, he wants to go after Nadler. He's, he's no, thinking that was of, Nicole Maliotakis. District, yeah, that's, all, that's but now, now with slightly the new, Republican, so he's not going to go for that one. But that's the, new, that's the new talk now that he told a lawmaker in Albany. I that understand he's thinking, we have on the line. Ed oh, Ro- we Rollins? have Ed Rollins on the line. Yes. Okay, he is a Republican campaign consultant and advisor. He's worked on several high-profile political campaigns. Welcome, Ed Rollins. Thank you. I, I grew up in California, and I was very involved in reapportionment in California. I worked for the speaker there, but I was the White House political director. I was very involved in the 80s in reapportionment. This is where you can really do a great deal of damage to one party or the other. Uh, in this particular case, the perfect example is New York is losing one seat. We now have 27 seats. Uh, Democrats had hoped to go from a 19-8 advantage to a 22-4 to advantage in the new plan. And obviously that plan has now been stopped. Uh, uh, it, there'll be some alteration going on in the next couple of days, and then it goes to a, to a judge on Friday who makes the final analysis. But historically, when Democrats uh, or Republicans, whoever has control of the Senate or the House, draw the lines, uh, they, get, they get some advantage uh, 
this particular case, uh, we're still not quite sure where it's going to be. But the new plan that's drawn by an expert who's not part of the political process per se, it's a single person uh, with an academic with some expertise, uh, gave Republicans a big advantage the other day where I said it, uh, the original plan was a 22 to 4 plan for the Democrats. The new plan could end up 16 to 10, plus it throws a bunch of incumbents against each other, including Natalie and Carolyn Mahoney. Ed, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. This is not just a New York issue. This could be a national issue in terms of who's controlling the House of Representatives. Isn't that correct? Absolutely. absolutely. And, and the reality is both sides now are extremely competent at how they do this. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, the small margin that the Speaker now has, the Democrats now have, uh, five, six, eight seats change across the country uh, uh, to one advantage to the other could, could make who, who runs the House. I mean, right now Republicans are favored to pick up the House, but something like this could have a big difference. Understood. And it's for 10 uh, years. It's, uh, it happens every 10 years. There's a primary uh, today in uh, Pennsylvania. You, have you heard anything? Uh, nothing yet. Uh, you won't hear anything until the polls close. Uh, big, big primary because there's uh, Pennsylvania is obviously 20 electoral votes. It's a critical, critical uh, state for Republicans uh, long term and short term. Uh, uh, you don't win the presidency, as was proven in the last couple elections, if you don't win Pennsylvania. Uh, there's a Senate opening there, uh, and obviously there's a Senate opening in North Carolina, one of the other states today. Republicans have to do well in those two Senate races if they have any, any kind of a chance to, to be majority in the Senate. Uh, uh, we've had a knockdown, drag out uh, fight in both sides. Uh, uh, the Republican primary and, and the Senate has been extraordinary. Uh, the gubernatorial race uh, where Trump has come in and endorsed uh, a candidate is probably not as not as um, battle uh, fatigued, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, they changed their rules. It used to be you had a lot, a lot of early voting in one of the states that was controversial. Today, you have to go in and, and have your ballot in by today. You can't have absentee ballots being counted after the fact and what have you. So there's some alteration, and obviously the, I would expect the voters. So is to that fixed? Is that for Pennsylvania? Is that fixed, the problem? Uh, it, it depends on who's, 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 who thinks it is the problem, uh, you know, the reality is... Well, that, I mean, if if votes in the last election vote showed up a week later and they ordered them counted... Yeah, the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania interfered with the with the process there. And I thought it was a violation of the, the federal constitution. I think it was a violation of the state constitution. They did it anyway. And the problem well, the reality, was the it wasn't reality, challenged in time. It wasn't challenged in time. This, this is a process like reapportionment, which... Insiders know how to do it, and outsiders don't necessarily know how to do it, but they see sometimes an injustice. My sense is there's going to be a lot of tinkering between uh, between now and November uh, with some of these states where state legislators can redraw the way they do it. And obviously, secretaries of state that have played a very critical role in some cases uh, will, will be different players, and more people are interested in that part of the election than, than anything else in the past. But the key thing today is we've got to get two strong candidates, both in North Carolina and, and here in Pennsylvania, to have a chance of these Senate races, uh, the gubernatorial race in, uh, in both those states uh, uh, probably end up uh, uh, split. There's a very strong attorney general in uh, Pennsylvania is, is running unchallenged. And uh, uh, North Carolina, there's a, there's a contested battle going on there, too. But the end of the day, long time to go. A lot of things are happening. And from now until Election Day, uh, there will be a lot of money spent, a lot of uh, a lot of arguments going back and forth. Well, Ed, we did hear we did hear that with thirty percent of the results in that it's it's pretty close between the top three. 
So it's going to be it's going to well, be a long night. But you really don't know what, what section yeah. of Pennsylvania yeah. it's from. Yeah. You know, you, you have two Pennsylvanias. Yeah. You, you have a Pennsylvania that's very red, and then you have Pennsylvania that's very blue. I think it's going to be a long night either way. It's going to be and a long night. We got a minute left before we have to take a break. Ed Rollins, anything else you want to tell the uh, American people? Well, I think it's I think it's very important that you vote. Uh, there's a lot of disillusionment in our politics today. People aren't happy with people who got elected or people who are going to get elected. And it's just critical that you go out and you participate and you vote. Elections do count. Uh, and, and I would just argue that don't get discouraged at this point in time. Go out and pick the best person, whatever party you are, and support them, support them uh, heavily. Well, thank you so much. Uh, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. And uh, good to see you today. And uh, uh, we'll talk later. Thank you. Anytime. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Bye. Let's take that break. And when we come back, let's see. We'll, we'll see who we've got coming. Well, we're back, and uh, we, we have so much, so much talent in our studio here. Let's talk amongst ourselves. Uh, first, I understand, uh, uh, you, Judge Weinberg, you, you have an objection to what uh, Professor Dershowitz said? I respectfully dissent from Professor Dershowitz. I believe that Title 18 U.S.C. 1507 is a constitutional enactment. It would survive careful scrutiny. It's perfectly clear. You can have restrictions Time, place, and manner, as Dershowitz correctly pointed out. And if it's with the intent to influence an election, it makes a big, big difference. With intent to a judicial result, it makes a very big difference. Mr. I think it would be sustained. Mr. Happy, how do you feel about it? The dean of Register, what was it, Register Law School? Well, I, I, I have to agree with the judge. I think he's totally right. I'm a little surprised that Alan made the statement that he did. Uh, I think. These are reasonable restrictions. I think it, it stands up. Ed Cox? Professor Dershowitz, we call him the Dersh at Harvard Law School. I got to go with the professor. Wow. The set among the studio in Craig Eaton. I'm going to go with Professor Weinberg. Um, <laughs> it, the, the statute says it's illegal to picket or parade in front of a courthouse or a judge's home with the intent of interfering, obstructing, or impeding the administration of justice. That's clearly what happened here. Exactly. No, no, clearly no, but, what happened but, here. But the Florida statute says any home, any private home. No. Listen, I I'm thought it said any private home. No, no, let's let's be clear. When I posed the question, yeah. I believe that the Florida statute may be overbroad and said. Oh, that's set aside. what we're talking about. No, no, I was talking. Homes. No, I'm talking about 18 U.S.C. 1507, which is the federal statute. And what I said this morning on and. And the, the morning show, as I said very, very clearly, if the Florida statute would track the federal statute, it would be upheld. And that's my and that's my view. And that's why. I but if you from carry Dershowitz. some BLM signs, you'll be fine. That's perfectly legal. So as long as you carry a BLM sign, as long as you say Black Lives Matter, you can loot, you can do whatever you want. You I want to ask my it, former friend Ed Cox to vote against the house that they <laughs> uh, That's why this brings me to the next story. BLM co-founder uh, she, Patrice Cullors, she gave her baby daddy a million dollars. She gave her brother $840,000 for creative services. She chartered a flight for $73,000 and she paid the executive director over $2 million. For personal services. Personal services. And, and they, we're and they here. bought a six million dollar house. That's one well. of many. Properties. So who paid the taxes? Well, apparently they only reported about twenty million to the IRS. They made about ninety million in twenty twenty alone. So what the heck is going on in the in the words of so John Katzmatidis? So with the IRS, I'm saying to them, 
you, you guys got to go, af- go after them if they did something wrong. Otherwise, everybody should become a member of Black Lives Matter and uh, do whatever you want. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, wait a second. These are Marxists and they're living high off the hog? I mean, well, it wouldn't be a first time. Do as time I say, not as I do. I'm shocked. I'm oh, shocked. That some are more equal on. than others. Why are they going after Trump uh, from years ago? His taxes, possibly a card that was used. Remember like that? It, and, the, and these people are making Double billions. Standard. Double standard. Double standard. Now, now, I'm going to go back to Ed Cox. Now, Russia has threatened Finland and which other country? Sweden. It did. Sweden. Sweden. Finland and Sweden. They, and they, they wanted to become members was, of NATO. So uh, what, what, what's going on? There was talk on? about, well, after Putin invaded uh, Ukraine, he thought there would be a divided NATO. Instead, not only is there a united NATO, but two traditionally neutral countries, Finland and Sweden, said that they would join NATO. And then Putin threatened them. How about uh, Norway? Norway? That, that, with, a, with a nuclear attack or something like that. And they said, nope, we're joining NATO, and he's back down now. Last statement about wow. it wow. was that, okay, that's all right. We just have to watch what they do in the future. So if in other words, Putin has stepped on a lot of banana peels. Like well, if you, uh, whenever he threatens something, you got to stand up to him. That's the thing. The Russian leader, like Putin, he presses in, and if he hits steel, he withdraws. If it's mush, he'll keep right on going. Wow. I truly think that he is suffering from blood cancer. If you look at he has that pie moon face of somebody that's on prednisone, a steroid. And you know what happens when you're on steroids? You get really angry, irrational. I'm being serious. And I think he's not in his right mind. I mean, because all of these steps, they don't make sense. I don't know. I don't know. There are a lot of speculations around, but there's no proof. Um Mr. Happy, John, uh, anything else on the UFOs? Well, well uh, are the Martians landing? They're right there. Are uh, the Martians landing? The the uh, there's some army uh, PFCs that in 2014 uh, while in the army and their observers in the, and they were in the Sinai Desert observed eight of these what were formerly known as UFOs that were interacting with each other going at hyperspeeds and ref, and re, their reflection was picked up all through the sky. And when these three soldiers reported to their commanding officer, he said, keep your mouth shut. We don't want to hear about this stuff. And there's many examples in the federal report in which pilots and military members, naval officers, people that were paid professional observers. Well, were threatened. Navy, Navy intelligence is supposed to be in, in charge of that, that, those kind of projects, uh, UFOs. and You're right, John. It's like in the last five years, Navy has been in charge. But pilots are afraid to report what are UFOs because they're immediately given a psychiatric examination. And, in fact, the one of the soldiers that reported this was given a psychiatric examination, and he was almost thrown out of the Army for being mentally ill. So there's been a huge bias against people that observe and report any kind of UFO objects. But now with this congressional investigation and having it brought forth in the public, I think it's going to be a change because now I just read a report from the office of the director of national intelligence. Now this is in the United States government today under Biden that talks about the danger to aeronautics by opposed by these new unidentified aerial phenomenon. 
So this is moving from the area of science fiction, speculation, and crazies into actually being recognized as true. How soon do we send them the baby formula? That's a good question. <laughs> as soon as possible. I understand. I got a text from uh, Frank Morano, whose show is The Other Side of Midnight, uh, between 1 o'clock and 5 o'clock in the morning. And he says he's going to have a special report on uh, today's congressional hearings. So It'll be very exciting stuff. Shall we take a break? And we'll we'll come take back? it back. We're going to talk to who? Dr. Mark Siegel. He's always got some uh, fascinating breaking news for us. Keep it right here. Cats at night. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. Before we get to our guest on the line, Senator Alphonse D'Amato, I wanted to play this little clip that'll get everybody fired up. This is what Chuck Schumer said uh, earlier today. He also sent a letter to Fox News executives. He claims that Tucker Carlson, Fox News are amplifying this whole great replacement theory, which says that white people, what is it again, Judge, that they want to replace? Yeah, but the point is, Tucker Carlson is correctly saying that they're moving population in because they have the open borders and our population is being replaced by foreign But they're saying that whites think life will be better if we replace all the black people with white people. That's how they characterize it, but that's not what Carlson is saying. And we're saying that they want to replace Americans with foreigners. What they're saying is you shouldn't have an open border and you should have an organized, legitimate well, let's immigration hear, let's policy. Well, let's hear Chuck Schumer real quick. Fox's top political pundit, Tucker Carlson, has spewed rhetoric that echoes replacement theory at least 400, 400 times on his show since 2016. So uh, we have Senator D'Amato on the line. Senator D'Amato, what do you think about all of this. I mean, I, I don't know. I think that uh, our management of the border has been a total disgrace. I think uh, just take a look at what's happened to our nation with over 100,000 people dying of drugs that have been brought in by these gangs for the most part. It continues unabated when you have uh, people who are on terrorist watch list. Uh, coming in, when you have uh, scoundrels coming in. I'm I'm for an immigration policy, but I, I want to see to it that these are people who have legitimate reasons for coming to this country, that will become part of our country, that are looking for jobs and opportunity and education for themselves and their children, and, and not just flown around the country in the dead of night so that people don't know that they're being settled in their area? And, and how is it that we take these unaccompanied children, tens of thousands of them now, are coming in, no parents, no anything, and, and what kind of way is that to start off somebody who want, wants an opportunity in this country? It is a disgrace. And anybody who wants to defend that, I think, are doing the wrong thing. I'm not saying close the border. I'm saying operate it in a manner consistent with good practices to see that these people are not taken advantage of and that our citizens who are here are not taken advantage of. And, um, you know, the system has worked for many years, but I'll tell you, This administration single-handedly has destroyed any semblance of what it should be like. 
It is a disgrace. And I think it, this plus the energy debacle says we need to change the Congress and we need a new president. Senator, this Amen. Is, this is Craig Eaton. You are 100 percent correct. We need to vet these people. And there's got to be some procedure and some process to make sure that these people aren't part of gangs. They're not terrorists. They don't have COVID or any other diseases. And they're going to join the American people. Exactly. And and that was the system that we had for many, many yeah. years. My grandparents came over. They had a system. They were registered, etc. And by the way, if they were sick, they held them. They didn't let them just come in. There were procedures going back 70 and 80 years ago. My God, we have regressed. And, and I tell you, those who push for open borders, I want to know why. I want, to, I want them to tell me. And here we are at this point in time fighting for survival for working people, for middle class families who are being hit with this inflation. Who produced the inflation? I'll tell you who. Biden. He did it. First of all, he cuts off the fuel line from Canada that would have produced in a period of time a million barrels a year. More than the 800,000 that we now had to... A, a million barrels a day, not a year, but Alphonse. Excuse me, a million barrels a day. And, and more than making up for the 800,000 a day that we now have to import or that we were importing from Russia. Well, why did he do it? And, and then now uh, he wants to blame Putin. Stop it. Putin didn't uh, uh, say you can't drill on federal properties anymore. Putin didn't say, oh, no, uh, we can't explore in Alaska. They just stopped uh, any type of leasing of properties uh, in Alaska for development. What the hell is going on? What the heck is going on? That is correct. Senator D'Amato, we have to, I'm sorry we got to cut you off. We have Dr. Siegel on the line with us now. He's going to talk to us about COVID. Senator, stay on. Let's see what Dr. Siegel has to say. I don't want to to cut off Senator D'Amato. I love listening to him. Absolutely. You you guys are are, a tag team. All right. right. Give us an update, uh, uh, Dr. Siegel. Well, obviously, they ruled against Biden's mandates because there's no reason for mandates. But when it comes to health care workers, I'm still smarting from the health care workers that have been fired because they wouldn't comply with a vaccine who happened to have some immunity from COVID itself. That was never factored in, should have been factored in. And at this point, I think the vaccine, the boosters, all that helps decrease your risk of severe disease for sure. But there's no justification for mandating it at all. That, that mandate word should be way in the past at this point. We're having an upsurge here, but in New York City, at least, there's a lot of people that are vaccinated, a lot of people that have had COVID. We're not seeing a bump in hospitalizations, and people basically want to live with this now, the way we've been doing for months already. Let's live with this. Dr. Siegel, what do you think about the fact that uh, the baby formula is now coming from uh, Europe, uh, Nestle? I think they're moving their factory also to the United States. Some people were saying to me, why can't we just have the formula 
from other countries, or is it safer to just have it here in the United States, produced in the United by, States? By the way, Lydia, uh, the WEC party the other day was not a super spreader event. And in terms of the uh, formula, I want to, that was a joke. In terms of the <laughs> formula, uh, I have a piece coming out tomorrow on Fox that says exactly what you just said. That formula should have absolutely be allowed in from Europe and from Canada. And you know, the only thing that's stopping it Money. is labeling. It's not safety, oh. it's labeling. Why does the United States always say, we are the only place with safe formula. That's that's a, a cabal there, isn't it? And that's participating to the, for the problem. Whatever happened to the Defense Production Act? Whatever happened to buying in advance the way that Trump did? Whatever happened to a national stockpile? You mean we only get to stockpile ventilators that nobody needs? How about stockpiling formula? Absolutely. And it would also, when you drive up competition, the prices go down. Because right now, formula is extremely expensive. So why they you have a cartel that controls it? Well, that's exactly it. I think this is all about greed and power once again. No, for sure that's true, and 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 we need more competition. And when the FDA gets involved, by the way, with Abbott, they don't need to shut the plant down with over 480 violations or or offenses, and then leave it shut for months when they have their own USDA women, infants, and children. All the poor people in the country are being fed from this. The, the children, it, 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 excess. Regulations and excess big government. And st- the state regulations get into it also, don't they, doctor? Yeah, absolutely. Because once the USDA gets the formula out there, the state's hyper-regulated. All of this is self-justifying justifying bureaucracy, which is why Kazimatidis has this show, to cut through this. You know what, doctor? And, doctor and, and, it's also it's a, a failure topic. of the White House. It's also a failure, another oh, failure absolutely. of the White House for not getting involved earlier and correcting this problem. Well, so one quick point on that. They said, Biden says, gee, this just happened. Excuse me. Back at the beginning of the pandemic in March of 2020, there was already hoarding going on because people were afraid with these lockdowns, they wouldn't have formula at all. So people super bought and there's been a shortage for two years now. And also another quick topic. We only got like a few seconds left. U.S. traffic deaths hit a 16-year high. We're thinking here it has to do with texting and uh, pot marijuana. use. And marijuana. Yeah. Yeah, marijuana available everywhere. By the way, pregnant women smoking marijuana affects the yep. fetus. And, and you're right, texting while driving and all the anxiety and, and depression from the lockdowns and people driving, driving when drunk. And all of that occurs from excess government that locks down the country and people end up rebelling and, and put others at risk. Well, Dr. Collateral Siegel, damage. Collateral damage. Thank you, Dr. Siegel. And we had a, a big audience today, four lawyers. The Dean of the Law School, Nelson Happy, and Judge Richard Weinberg, Ed Cox, Craig Eaton, and my sidekick, Lydia Serrani. And where's our theme song? Play it louder. Louder. Truth, Truth, justice, and the American way. God bless America and God bless New York. We need those blessings. Thank you for listening tonight. <laughs>